guys, welcome back to Life Education's podcast. Um, it's myself and Caroline with Alex Lee today. Um, Alex is a sports scientist with the UAE National Service, yep. um, doing a lot of testing of the guys who are, uh, it's one year or is it more they have to do now? I think it's about a year and a half now, it's just been put up. So everybody between 18 to 30 has to do. Yeah, maybe, sorry. National Service, yeah, so do you mm-hmm. want to just we'll introduce yourself and then we'll, we'll get to that. Where, where you come from originally and how did you make it out to Dubai? Well, uh, I come from uh, Blackpool, well, Fleetwood, northwest England. Um, grew up there, grew up kind of playing rugby, obviously kind of sporty, sporty background, playing at school. Um, and then left there to, I moved to South Africa for a year, played rugby there for a year, University of Cape Town, and worked in a school. Uh, and that was kind of my first coaching role, as it were. Um, coaching rugby, general sports, stuff like that, um, but mostly playing rugby. And then came back, uh, always wanted to join join the Marines, so came back, joined the Marines, and unfortunately got medically discharged in, so that was, what, 2006, got medically discharged in 2008. So you were actually in the Marines? Yeah. What's that like? Yeah. Uh, well, again. Is it like size, the movies? Uh, no, quite the contrary, <laughs> which is good, because... You know, most movies are, well, I say that, most movies are based around, like, the U.S. forces and stuff like that, and the boot camps. Um, but, no, it was good. You know, as I said, I'd, I'd always played sports and tried to keep fit and stuff like that. And, and that was, you know, that was the ultimate challenge. So you kind of push yourself for that, yeah. get put through the tests. So and, what is it like being in the Marines? What do you do exactly? Um, well, obviously, it's a, a physical lifestyle. Uh, some you know the some of the hardest tests um, in in any sort of like basic training, um, and it's quite renowned for for being pretty hard Brutal. physically. Yeah. Uh, but also like they they kind of push you to be a bit more of a thinking soldier as well. So it's not just all fitness and, and things like Hammers that. Hammers and nails. Sorry. Hammers and nails. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. Um, so yeah, obviously fell into that. Obviously, as I said, it's a very physical role so uh, left there and and through them I got put on a personal training course like an MVQ level three takes about a month um, come out of it thinking that you know absolutely everything and you can train everyone yeah <laughs> um, but so that was that was my kind of first step into the fitness industry really uh, in terms of having any sort of qualification uh, you know I kind of worked in a gym managed to get a job uh, in a gym Virgin Active in London, um, Twickenham, which is great. So that was a brand new gym that was opening up, and it was literally like Globo Gym. Yeah. Um, and it was at the home of rugby. So, you know, being a personal trainer at Twickenham for me was literally like the best job ever. And also, like, the Virgin, are, are, I say pretty good. They're, they're actually a very good company to work for. And they're really big. Very, very Oh, yeah, big. they're huge. They've got clubs all over London, yeah. mainly in London. They've got a few outside of London, but they're, yeah, they're huge. They're, they're a big kind of gym uh, back home. They've got, got them all over the world as well. But, no, I was quite surprised, and I'll always speak highly of them uh, in terms of working for them as a personal trainer, how they look after you. Once you get down to the nitty, on, on, that's on a bigger scale as a company. Once you get down to the nitty gritty, I had a few bad experiences with, you know, line managers and, and things like that. Um, but that's all personalities yeah. and people, and that happens everywhere. everywhere yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, 
yeah, so learnt learnt a lot from those experiences, kind of coming all the way through, you know, from kind of fitness instructor doing a bit of lifeguarding in your local gym and stuff like that, through to somewhere like Virgin Active, which is a bit bit more of a, a bigger scale. They help train you up, put, put you through more courses and things like that, like TRX courses and kettlebell courses and things like that. Um, so I worked there for about a year. Absolutely loved it. Met some great people. Learned, you know, some some good things and learned. Well, you can only learn good things really. Everything's a lesson, whether it's good or good or bad. But um, the kind of wanted to push myself more towards working with, um, I say, professional athletes. It's uh, yeah. At the time, that was my, that was my mindset. Was I want to be working within elite sports, ideally rugby. Um, so. Just luckily, just down the road, he had um, St Mary's University, um, where we went together, and applied to do a degree in strength and conditioning. Got on the course, spoke to the people at Virgin, and said, "Is there any way we can go part time?" And they were like, "Nope." Got rid of me straight away. Put me on garden leave. So that side, again, I think that goes back to the, the whole gym commercial side of things. They're very sales based. Why would they keep someone on part time? to them anyway they, they kind of couldn't see a little bit further in terms of he's actually trying to develop himself he's going to be learning new things so he could bring bring those things to, yeah. the, to the club yeah, um, the but they you know they just see numbers a lot of the time um, that might have changed by now so left there uh, took a few clients with me and trained, <laughs> trained them privately just while I was uh, at university and then through a friend um, did some work down at London Wasps Rugby Club, which is really good. And th- again, through that, it's it's a in a, it's very much an industry where you know you kind of you meet people, you you get talking, and you, it opens up so many more doors. Mm. Uh, and ended up uh, working at London Welsh, so they were actually at the time they were in the Championship, which is one below the Premiership. They're still full time athletes, um, and it's very much the same environment with London Welsh not so much because they, they didn't have a huge budget compared to someone like London uh, London Wasps so you know the gym's a bit different and you just face different challenges yeah. and so I was there for three years working with them whilst at university and, and also doing some PT on the side uh, within that time we ended up in the premiership which was great really good experience um, again different different pressures it's you're learning all this science uh, and stuff at, at university trying to apply it but the biggest thing you're learning is that you can't always apply that science because you there's so much bless you <laughs> um yeah there's so many things to, to factor so many different challenges within that environment and how you can apply certain things um so that was the biggest lesson for me was university was one thing but i learned so much more yeah. outside of university and how to apply it and and uh, and things like that, you know, just in terms of, you know, we didn't really have a, a supplement sponsor like a lot of these other teams. So sourcing supplements at a discount in price, and obviously that kind of falls within the realms of strength and conditioning, yeah. nutrition and stuff like that. So yeah, and in terms of equipment that's that's available, you have to think outside of the box. Um, yeah, so you're faced with a lot of different challenges. So that was great being exposed to that as opposed to, you know, working at some of the top clubs where they have all the equipment and, and things like that. 
But again, I'm sure they faced... I've never worked in, say, for instance, like a, a football club where their budget is probably yeah. tenfold of that yeah. Of, yeah. of London Welsh. So, you know, again, I'm sure they face challenges as, as coaches, but there'll be different challenges to to a team such as... How do you find London the difference Welsh? between tra- training the guys, the pro players, and the, the PT clients, the general public? Um... I actually don't find too much of a difference sometimes it's it's it comes it's not so much a difference between the the kind of professional athlete and the weekend warrior or you, your general population it's more it goes down to an individual basis because I've got clients who I train and have trained um who are of very much general population as it were but they play a lot of sports or they do cycling like I, I train um someone out here who does a lot of cycling so most of our training is geared towards cycling and he buys into it and he loves it he follows a program and uh he actually messaged me the other day saying someone who he does his bike fitting through has seen a massive difference in his cycling so he wants to get in contact and and he almost sounds surprised yeah. that everything's working because someone else validated it for him. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, just trust the process. But he buys it. He does buy into it. Whereas, you know, if you uh, sometimes at, at London Welsh, you know, you've got these guys who it is their job to be there, and so at the end of the day, they're turning up to work. So their mindset can be one of two ways. It can be you can have someone who hundred hundred percent buys into everything and. You know they want to get fitter, they want to get stronger, they want to stay injury free. Um, those guys are—they're an absolute dream because you can just give them a program, keep an eye on them, and then focus on the guys who don't want to do anything. Yeah. You know, but it's—it's it's a tough one. This is a, again, it comes down to that individual basis. Although you're training a whole team, a whole squad of you know thirty to forty people, you still have to have an individualized approach. Yeah. Um, like you can send out a general program, but then how that applies to each person is is very different. You know, we've got guys who were coming towards the end of their career, and you know, some front rows, these big lads, and they've just been beaten up for twenty years, mm. and like they've done the gym work and stuff like that. They're they're very naturally strong and naturally fit. Um, trying to put them through a strength program, just coming in and trying to grind out reps and and things like that on a on a Monday morning when you've just been beaten up for 80 minutes on a Saturday carrying a few niggles yeah um, they're not interested they're, they're not interested which you, that's where you have to get the balance between right you have to do this or yeah. you have to do this because research says yeah, that yeah. you know we need to go through a strength phase now and your scrummaging is mm-hmm. just going to go downhill because you're not squatting 200 kg like that he's been scrummaging his whole life it's, is it really going to make too much of a difference and that's where you need to have an approach but come game, uh, you as a coach you have to realise as a strength and conditioning coach you have to realise your position within the club and that you know you're, I, I don't want to say you're not the be all and end all you're not because you're I don't want to say again I don't want to say a small cog because you you are a, a big cog in in a lot of you know in the grand scheme of things but it's not all about the gym. You can't yeah. make someone do something. And as long as he turns up on game day and, you know, does the business, then that's your job done. 
that you you keep him injury free. That, that's the I'd say above anything, keep him injury free. And if his you know if the head coach turns around and says like why is he walking around the pitch blow him, it's like okay right okay then we do need to push him a little bit more. Um, that's a bit of a reactive approach. You'd like to see that as an SNC coach, mm. you can see see these uh, markers before. I've um, well, I'm sure this is common knowledge now, but a lot of I've heard that a lot of uh, clubs are doing like multidisciplinary like fitness activities. So it's not just like strength and conditioning. It's like integrating yoga and integrating other disciplines to help support that. So when people are not, like, yeah, oh yeah, massively, <laughs> yeah. You, you you have to have a holistic approach. Because yes, they're professional athletes, and they should be doing your your bread and butter, squats, push, pull, you mm-hmm. know, everything like that. Just basically just lifting weights. Bless you. Sorry. <laughs> At varying speeds, velocities, different weights, you yeah. know, adjusted to to what you want to achieve. Um, but yeah, definitely, you you have to look at the bigger picture and train the human body. And injury is such a big thing that, you know, if you just stuck to stuff in the gym, you're going to be very limited. And a good good one, I've got a friend who works with the England Sevens team and he throws up the odd thing on Instagram and and Facebook and stuff like that. His videos are great. Like he literally, he believes in play. So the warm-up time, um, what's that quote that one of the football coaches said about warm-ups? No. Uh, the Italian midfielder said we were talking about this before with Chris he said that uh, he hates the warm up the blah 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 blah. the warm up is just he hates everything about it the warm up is just masturbation for strength and conditioning coaches yeah Pirlo, um, Pirlo said it yeah and I think he's been a bit short sighted there well, he's a player, I'm a strength, he? well yeah he's a guy like, who, I'm a strength and conditioning coach yeah. he's a player that's the thing Like he, he obviously doesn't buy he into he just wants it. to play yeah and that's that's fine. And then again, that's where you have to manage him on a, on yeah, a personal yeah, level. Yeah. But just going back to um, to my friend Tom, who works with England Sevens boys, he's obviously, bef- before he's kind of taken this approach, he's got buy-in from the boys because they all buy into it. So during the warm-ups, um, he's got playtime and he's doing all sorts of stuff in terms of just playing games with... Yes, they're, they're rugby players, but get them playing a bit of football, get them moving around, yeah. get their, like... just Doing all different things that they don't usually do. Exactly. Yeah. Just get them thinking about... or Sorry, not thinking about what they're, they're doing sometimes and just get them moving in that. Because I think that's, that it is a kind of lost art, is play. Yeah. Um, I think what Pirlo was probably talking about, and some people will be along these lines is uh, and I saw it actually when I worked at the military some warm-ups can be terrible some warm-ups can be make the guys run around the pitch number one touch the floor with your right hand number two touch the floor <laughs> with your left hand yeah the old French warm-up yeah number three jump up in the four air corners. Number four corners there's the footballers yeah I've seen I've seen it still happen like up to a few years ago jump head the ball those guys are going to hate <laughs> those warm-ups but if your mate Tom is bringing in games and you know like Ryan Giggs is one person who added about 10 years to his football career by going into Pilates yeah. and he release DVDs about it yeah. you know him and his instructor doing I think he played till he was 37 at the highest level yeah so there's, a, there's a lot of the, uh, a lot of stories of like professional athletes going into yoga and it just you know changing yeah. how they move and yeah yeah um, yeah I think yoga is great and again it's just a particularly because it adds a lot of suppleness like if you're constantly li- lifting like 200 kilos yeah. you're going to have a certain type of 
tension in your muscles yeah. and bringing that suppleness and that flexibility is going to definitely like help to reduce the risk of injury and yeah other. I mean it, yeah 100% it goes without saying um and that's again that's why you need to to vary it like I have this dream one day of being like a head S&C coach and you know, pulling in yoga people, pulling in Pilates people, pulling in people from from different backgrounds. That again, going back to what I was saying before, this is working with professional athletes. This is their job. Mm. It's like turning up to the office every day at nine o'clock, Monday to Friday. It's not obviously. It's that theirs isn't an office. exactly. It's not. It's not <laughs> enough. Yeah. Well, sometimes it is. Like you know, these boys have to sit down at laptops and really? reviews and watch themselves play rugby um but it's quite it's quite interesting because for so like obviously i teach pilates and yoga but seeing men do those things it's very interesting to see what they're really good at and then what they're really not good at and uh being able to yeah just kind of giggle and laugh at that (laughs) on the side within the class itself yeah yeah of course like for example so say you're doing weight training, right? You're you're learning the majority of the time to push things and very heavy things. Yeah. And sometimes in Pilates, you learn how to pull your own body weight, um, say, towards something else. And just that action in itself is so challenging for someone who's only really ever practiced mm-hmm. pushing and pushing heavy load as opposed yeah. to pulling a heavy load. It, it's... It and sound- smoothly and controlled. Yeah, well, not yeah, just of like course. As quick as possible. Of course. Yeah. So, like, times and then drop it. Field Aside from like, like pull-ups and stuff like that, but everything else, mm-hmm. predominantly, not that I know because I don't do a lot of that, but... Yeah. yeah, no, you're right. I mean, like when you go into a... It's not even that it's Pilates. It's just, it's just a yoga class. Anything yeah, where there's brand new exercises. Yeah, it's new and different. It's, and it's going to... And big, strong guys come in. <laughs> easy. Can yeah. do this. They see it. They go, oh, yeah. You separate your legs, you do a little lunge on that leg, I'll do that, and then it's like the profanities come out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the sweat starts yeah, pouring. The sweats. Yeah. He's like getting me out. Of but it. that's a fantastic way, I would say. 20 minutes of that before a training session, after a bad game at the weekend. 100%. Out yeah. on the pitch, all the boys having a laugh, laughing at each other, falling over. Yeah. Right, now we're going to play. But also, it kind of, it, it's a change. It's a change. It's about environment, and everyone goes on about culture and building culture. Like, I it is a bit of a buzz thing at the minute, you know, kind of why is this team doing so well? Oh, because they've got such a good culture, and yeah, like you, they, they, that is it is a thing really. Because if you just came in and set your week out, you know, you kind of, I believe in in kind of planning, you know, like macro cycles, micro cycles, things like that. Sit down, plan it, but don't be that guy that says, right, you know. We have to stick to this, no matter what. What's mm-hmm. Talk about a macro cycle and a micro cycle, just very briefly. Um, so, like, <laughs> so, if you're looking on a bigger scale, um, in terms, let's take a rugby season. I keep referring back to yeah, rugby yeah, because yeah, it's. Um, so you'd you'd look at the season. You'd sit down with the head coach, pick out key games um, and things like key key points in the season, um, and and work your. Um, volumes and intensities and things like that around those because obviously you want to try and peak at certain times there's there's times where you say if there's no game at the weekend you can push the boys a bit harder um, that's on the bigger scale so that's kind of like your macro cycles micro cycles looking at it from like your day to day okay let's turn up to the gym that is your that's your program for today but so you mean like 
say strength and conditioning, rest, breakfast, lunch, then like something else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, so that's on your, that's your your daily plan. But looking from a strength and conditioning point of view, let's say you're like your game on your Saturday. Week, yeah. So you you take your game on Saturday, work backwards. But so that actually, needs to be your peak. Yeah. Yeah. The game needs yeah, to yeah, be the yeah, pick, yeah. and then everything else is building up to that. Yeah. Okay. So on the bigger scale, you might think, okay, so that's that's not that an important game. That or, tournament, this, this mm. competition. Or like, we, you know, we can afford to push them a bit harder this week. But then on a smaller scale, turn around, and they've actually had a really hard game the week before. But you're going into a week where you can push them harder because the next... But the thing is, like, he's carrying niggles from the week before. Like, that program has to be subject to change. Mm. Like, there's no... It's a fine art between thinking... You, don't get me wrong, you could still push him through that hard program even if he is carrying a few niggles, but that's where it's your call as a coach to get it right because if he goes into that, like, you need to... Again, you can go back to the warm-up. If he's not buying into it 100%, but you know you can push him hard in that one session or that, that week, you have to change his mindset. Use the warm-up mm. to, to kind of get him going mentally. Like, well, see, so this is what you were saying about being holistic and looking at things holistically. So it's not just... Obviously, I'm just reiterating what you were saying, that it's yeah. not just like, oh, this is the program that we're sticking to. This is what we're doing. It's like, okay, the person as a whole, how are they feeling? Yeah, yeah What's like, their it body? has to be subject to change. As yeah. It's yeah, good to have like, a plan, but always plan to change. What's happening and in his personal life as well? Like, has he just lost a family member? Is there exactly. something else going on? Yeah, um, yeah. it's professional sports at the end of the day. So if he's just had like, a really bad game on the weekend and it's his fourth, fifth you know, bad game in a row, He's going to be thinking, I'm going to get fired here. And, you know, like, I need to get... Maybe maybe it is his fitness or whatever, and he's got to come in and he's his mentally he's gone, physically he's gone. But the only thing... The thing that he needs to improve is his fitness. And he has to come in on a Monday morning and do the most horrendous fitness session. You know, like, how, how do you deal with that situation? And as, a, and as, a, as an S&C coach, you, you can almost get away with being... I don't want to say a mother figure, but like that kind of... Well, a mentor. Yeah, a mentor. yeah exactly. I think that's a better word than mother figure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice we could dress but, you up though. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you can kind of yeah have that kind of... Sometimes it can be a softer approach. Sometimes it can be that yeah. flat out, right? Let's no choice. Smash. Yeah, exactly. So, Alex, I have a couple of questions. This is so intriguing yeah. to me. So, you tell us a little bit about what you do now. You are training basically the military kids here in Dubai. Um, yeah. We're in the UAE. Well, yeah, so the UAE. maybe you can introduce that. This started, was it two or three years ago that they started introducing mandatory military service? Um, I think they introduced it. When did you start? I started 2015. So that was when I started, wasn't it? Three years ago. So I think it started a year before that. Ah. Um, but they implemented things at different times. Um, so, yeah, so I... So official basically, it's mandatory military service. So what... Yeah, so, so for I people think who I don't did, know... Uh, yeah, so the government introduced national service. Um, I can't remember. The, it must have been 2014, I think. And they obviously said, so if you were born from this date onwards, I think at the time it would have been people who were th- uh, 30 years old or 29 and 364 days or whatever, um, you have to do national service. Um, so 
yeah, you've got a mixed bag of people who turn up um, when they first started. So obviously it's all new to these guys. These guys used to have quite a small military. Um, you know, they're, they're quite a well-established military in terms of they've, you know, they've got a lot of good equipment, a lot of money to buy that equipment and, and things like that. Um, but then they've introduced national service and suddenly you've got thousands and thousands and thousands of recruits. Uh, so that's obviously going to upset some some sort of systems when your your systems are, are set up to deal with one thing and then you've just kind of introduced this whole new thing. So your role in this is basically the sports scientist for the... Yeah, so my, my job title is sports scientist. Okay. So, so tell us about what, what you do exactly. Do you design the programs? Do you go through, do you train the people that train them or do you train them or how does that work? Um, so it's quite a varied role uh, and it's a role that's changed over the four years that I've been there mm. uh, and progressed. So we, um, yeah, so, so I'm on one base. So I'm, we, we, there's like three or four different bases with different sports scientists um on each base but we all kind of have to do the same thing so with it being military they want everybody to go through the same thing so we had to uh implement certain tests procedures like training that it's almost like a one size fits all yeah they had things in place before i even got there so when i turned up it was kind of i just go along with what they're doing because i can't i don't know what the environment's like i don't know what the people are like so you kind of go along with their systems for a bit, learn them, because I couldn't go in and just change everything. Yeah. Because I, I could go in and say, this is uh, best practice for military environment, boom, change everything. And they'd be like, what's happened? What's happened here? Yeah. Um, so you kind of have to take a back seat at first, grow into the role. Um, one, But it's it's so tough because, on as I said, I'm, I'm on just on one base. And on that, on that one base you're dealing with about 2,000 recruits. How many bases are there? Um, I think there's about f- four different bases, three of which have sports scientists on. Okay. Um, so and this is all over all over the UAE? Yeah, all over the UAE. Um, so I, I actually work out towards Fajera, so it's a bit of a trek every day, and like with PT being at 5 o'clock in the morning, you've got to... <laughs> Do you live starts. close to Fajero or do you no, live in Dubai? an hour and a half away. Oh, okay. I love Fajero. It's beautiful there. Yeah. Um, I just, it's not actually in Fajero, but it's just on the way. I just say because mm. it's literally in the middle of nowhere. Mm. So you've got 2,000 guys. It's a rocking up. How many? It was once a year? Uh, twice. So there's two intakes a year. And they kind of go through their basic training. So on our base, they go through their basic training, which is their initial training. Like day dot through to, it started off at 12 weeks. Then it went to 16 I think we're down to 14 at the minute. They don't always tell me these things. So again, like that, that's hard to plan around. Like, am I, are we doing a 12-week um, PT? Yeah. Or when are we doing testing? Because we do three lots of testing, be- beginning, middle, and end. So it's about trying to fit that in. So what are you well. testing for? Um, so from a physical performance side of things, we we do kind of have to take that old-school military approach in terms of press-ups, sit-ups uh we do a body weight squat and then um for because they're they're graded differently medically so if they're a um if they're overweight and they're in a certain category then they have to do a different test so if they're fit enough we do a mile and a half run it's literally just 
straight go. run as fast as you can off you go um but for the overweight guys we do a rockport which is still a mile and a half but they walk it and they have a heart rate monitor uh so we're lucky enough to to have uh polar team two heart rate monitors which we have i think there's about 90 of them and they're all linked up to a system so we just hand out so with the overweight people there's usually um about 300 so we have to do like out of the 2000 out of the 2000 is that a, a normal is that normal yeah um and some of them spill over into other do you look at data teams. say from other other countries is that a, a abnormally high um, number of no or is not that really normal? because it's we're kind of building our own data okay. on a longitudinal yeah. it's almost like a longitudinal study this is why we're we're getting all this kind of heart rate data and all this data so that you know in a few years we can turn around and say right these are your kind of parameters these are yeah. the kind of people that you're dealing with um because you it's hard to compare it you you do obviously research mm. these things and what have people done in the past in terms of approaching national service from a physical sports science have you point? have you looked at some of the other research in terms of numbers because the reason i'm asking is you hear a lot about obesity being um an epidemic here mm-hmm. in the uae and globally so it, i'd be curious to see what seeing so many such a large intake of of young men is is it really the case are you seeing huge numbers of yeah yeah um obesity is is massive here like gotten so one of the first things that we set up as a sports scientist was so as i said there's 2000 people on one base within that structure they're split into five different companies and then within their companies they're split up into six different platoons so everything kind of breaks down mm-hmm. um and on day 1 they would turn up and just be okay like your your company 1 your company 2 your company 3 and it was quite sporadic uh, so what we implemented, but the th- okay, so the thing is, you're all these different companies, and then company one have got PT, company one turn up, and you've got someone who's underweight, someone who used to play professional football, and another guy who's literally been sat on the couch for 20 years, and um, they're, they're so different, so how do you individualise that? Like, you've got 2,000 people, you can't. So you have to take a step back and look on a bigger scale, right, you, this is where simplicity is best yeah. so we use a, a bmi and i don't always agree with bmi but you can understand why like the world health organization and people like that use it because like, it's an easy way to standardize people for yeah. sure especially when you have two thousand people well that's standing. it yeah. so we deal with two thousand yeah. people so when they come on camp one of the literally the first thing they will do is turn up and come we set up just outside of my office and we get their height weight uh, waist circumference, age, all the, all those details. Kill two birds with one stone because we're getting all the data. Um, mm. They give us our, their Emirates ID. We get all the data f- for the military, but we're also getting the data that we need. Yeah. And there was a bit of resistance at first, and I was like, "Well, we're doing the work for you here. Like, you your guys don't need to sit down and get all this data now. We're doing mm. it for you." And they were like, "Oh yeah, okay." Mm. So we killed two birds with one stone. And then they kind of fall into different categories of BMI. So we kind of said, okay, there's five different companies. Let's split them up into five different categories of BMI. Mm. One being the people who are at the lower end of the scale. And there's actually a lot of people who are underweight, like malnourished, um, right the way through to company five, 
who are the overweight people. So company one, platoon one, will be your lightest uh, or your lowest BMI, as it were, right the way through to company five, platoon six. Like, you know what you're going to get. If Do you PT have is an, company five, you know what you're going to get. Is this like we're talking BMI 18, BMI like 25, 30? Is that Late 30s. Plus. Yeah. Plus. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah. There's, there's wow. some big boys. Uh, and you just, like, you do kind of feel like you do want to help them. Um, of so course, that's your so job, we right? To, well, yeah, so mm. you've got this military PT that they have to do. It's like school. It's like a curriculum. Like They've got their week set out. PT is on a Monday, Wednesday, and, and Tuesday. And I'll look at it. And sometimes I have to sit and go, go see the commander and say, right, Company 5 have only got one PT session this week. They need more. So, yeah. we're, we're, so again, that's, yes, I'm a sports scientist, but I now have to sit down with all the high-ranking officers with a translator because they don't speak much English and say, these boys need more PT. But they they don't always, their culture, they don't always buy into PT. Mm. So you're always on the back foot anyway. Um, so you, you kind of push like, they need more PT or when have they got a spare hour in mm. the day? And what we would do is say, okay, you hijack we've only the got hour. an hour let's hijack that there's only me on my own or I might be able to get myself and like two other PT staff so I don't actually deliver the the PT sessions Mm. Um, you've got a lot of PT staff who do that we just kind of oversee it monitor it with heart rate rate monitors but on a smaller scale if I've got one platoon and I'll just go right I know these boys need to lose weight so we weigh them weekly as well so I can pick out certain outliers and say right he's lost a lot of weight so we don't need to concentrate on him or He's been home. You can tell he's been home on a long weekend and just binged. binged. So you're like, mate, you're coming with me. I'm going to do an hour and smash you. Sorry to interrupt you. Out of curiosity, over the time that you've been working for them, have you noticed, um, is it the same intake, same number of intake of, say, obese people? I don't know if I worded that properly. You understand what I mean? I understand. Are you seeing a trend, basically? um, No. Uh, We're starting to see more trends now um because logically you would have thought okay we've in- introduced national service you've got guys who are 30 years old um who have got good jobs families everything that comes with being a little bit older um you would have thought you kind of work your way back from there and almost like get through the older boys so that two three years down the time uh, so maybe four or five years down the line you you've ended up with a system where people literally just finish school a few weeks summer holidays and then bang in august in that intake you know you're getting 18 year olds fresh from school we're not quite there yet um, we still end up with a mixed bag of 18 year olds 30 year olds mm-hmm. you know and the last one we had someone who's like 34 years old so he obviously got told he's got to do national service but we'll tell you when to do it. Yeah. Mm. You know, yeah, we'll, we've not worked it out when you're going to do it, but you've got to do it. And then suddenly, four years down the line after they've then announced it, he's been pulled in and pulled away from everything. And again, you're not going to get much buy-in from someone like that because they're just going to go, right, okay, let's just yeah. get through this year. Whereas you might have someone who's fresh out of school. They're used to that kind of Systematic. structure, systems, yeah. right, be here at this time. You'd say what that, is some... Okay, Sorry, go on. Yeah, <laughs> again, sorry, my mouth. Um, what is the standard time? Is it nine months? Um, 
that they do national service for? No, so I think it's a, it started off as one year, but I think okay. it's a year and a half now. Okay. Um, That's a long time, especially yeah, for yeah. someone who's in their mid-30s taking, you know, their job, their yeah. everything. I'm not 100% sure how they work it in terms... I think the government subsidises... Small the, part of it. Like, the, through their employer. Mm. Um, yeah, I, that kind of thing I'm not 100% down on, so I can't talk too much about that. Uh, but there's, they've got a system that works because everyone, but they have to do it. So, um, but you've just got such a mixed bag of of people, as I said, age-wise, but background-wise, everyone thinks that you know, guys who are from the UAE, that yes, a lot of them do come from privileged backgrounds where they probably haven't had to work too much or whatever. But you've also got a lot of people who. Some like I was talking to the translator, uh, who's literally my best friend on camp because he's been an absolute godsend, um, and he has to go and translate for people who have been called in for national service, but they've been brought up in America or in the UK and they don't speak Arabic. Yeah, but they're from the UAE, so they've now got to sit through you know weapons handling class. Yeah, it's all in Arabic. One of my all clients went through that Arabic. Um, the jiu-jitsu stuff is in Arabic. Yeah, yeah. Everything, all the instructions. everything is is in Arabic. Yeah, and I've got some very dear friends as well that live here and are from here and can't prefer to read English. Yeah. Than, yeah. than Arabic, they're much more proficient. You, you've got some guys. I found out the other day that some guys who just are illiterate. They don't. They speak broken Arabic. They don't speak English. They'll speak a little bit of Arabic, and I'm kind of like, well, what what do they? Mm. what do they speak but they've managed to go through a school system or being brought up not really having to read and write and right. and I guess talk too much so again they're put in a system where right read this it's like well, I can't read so yeah it's in, in terms of outside of my job and sports science th- thankfully they don't need to read anything I, I actually take a few lectures on like health um, and why we're doing PT and stuff like that, just to try and educate them a bit more on their own health, but also it helps get buy-in from them. And they're actually good lectures, so I usually take about it's about 100 people at a time. So again, it's the quality of the lectures can't always be that great because there's just so many them, people. Sat yeah. down. As soon as they sit down, boom, they're asleep. So most of them are asleep anyway, mm. but you do get buy-in from a lot of people and they're, they're asking questions and, and also you've got a mixed bag of people that um, you know I was delivering one lecture and there was two doctors and I think we were talking about um, cardiovascular training and you kind of you go into a little bit of depth and but not too much and yeah. as soon as you went into a little bit of depth boom he was in so he started asking me questions and it was it was probably one of the best lectures I've ever yeah. taken but more from my like from a selfish yeah, point of view, yeah. he made me think as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what's important to remember here, with the, the, what you're talking about, is you're dealing with people who haven't chosen to be there. Yeah. It's not military, like they're not military kids who've put their hand up and put themselves forward for the basic training. Yeah. They've just been told they have to do it. Yeah, and that's, that's a whole different kettle of fish in terms of, as I, as I mentioned before, you've got military systems in place. But they're set up for people who who want to be there. Who want to be like there, like you did. Like you chose yeah, to be so, a part of the Marines. Yeah. So it's a very different mindset as opposed to being like not so much forced, but well, very, it is forced. Uh, yeah. 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 Well, yeah. No, it, it is, is forced. It is forced. Um, 
yeah, the, the, there is that kind of, it's a minimum standard mm. with most militaries. It's like, well, okay, here's, we're going to send you down there for a week, thrash mm -hmm. you, and if you pass, well done. Okay, and then you're in a, in a system that you're constantly being tested and you can fail. Um, you know, not just from a physical point of view, from written exams to ev mm. everything you, you there's a, a minimum criteria where with this, there was one point where I tried to implement um, minimum scores and they were like, well, we can't because if they fail, what are they going to do? We can't send them home. It's like, okay, we'll put them on remedial PT. Oh, that takes up too much time. So mm. you don't always, you're not always supported. Yeah. Um, Do you know what's quite interesting? I've spoken to a few people who have done the national service much younger. Um, and it's very interesting because this, this can be quite a, a controversial topic in terms of forcing people to do military service. And from what I've heard from the younger people is that they've actually really enjoyed the experience and it's been very beneficial to their health. One particular person that I know quite well lost a lot of weight and really got into health and fitness and was a medic in, in part of that and really learned to learn had a really positive experience so what's your um viewpoint on that do you feel like people finish this with a very positive experience or do you feel like it's a bit of both or or what's your your take on that it's definitely a bit of both um that's the best part of my job is when i get buy-in from people so in my office i sometimes get people who this is why i do try and push for um extra PT, we'll call it remedial PT, um, because you've got boys who want to lose weight and they want to be fit and healthy and they're like, they're, they're so motivated to come in on day one and it's like, right, I've got to do this military training. So they're just going to throw themselves into it. They know they're overweight. They want to, a lot of people know they're overweight. They know they live a bad lifestyle, but they can't, yeah, break can't the change cycle. it. Yeah. Yeah. So then they're just like, this, this is it. This is how I do it. And they turn up. And it hasn't. It doesn't always work that way because, again, they've been thrown in a system that is changing all the time. Um, and as I said, you, you've got your clinically obese people that I'm trying to. They've recognised that. I think they've they've dropped a lot of the military training side of things because on a national service program, like how specific do you need to get with you know your uh, you know your kind of field craft and you know maneuvers and weapons handling like how how ministry does it need to be exactly yeah you know you're introducing national service because there's a, an obesity ep epidemic do why you... not take these people who are never going to go on and serve in the military that was one of my questions and almost make mm. it like a not a fitness camp because again like yes they're there to to be military the health um, camp mm. but push them a bit more yeah um open up a um a, a slot in the in the timetable to get them doing pt because i've proved i sit down and i've managed to, like busted a gut and had so many fights with people with just trying to buck the system a little bit and get people in for extra PT. So they'll do PT. So I've seen on the program, Company 5, they've got PT three times this week. Right, okay. But they've also got a, an hour's break here and an hour's break there and an hour's break there. And I played the game a little bit because I know there are people who want to lose weight. So I said, right, anybody who wants to lose weight. So initially I said, let's take the top 20 biggest BMIs of that week you almost have to work on a weekly basis because people will lose weight and they'll drop down mm. and then you're like okay you're you've lost a bit of weight so 
you need to kind of carry on yourself and work in the system there but people will gain weight so they'll slot into your top 20 and I've sat down and got the, the data that says it works these people are losing weight with extra PT and they're happy and they love it and when we weigh the boys weekly they're literally like buzzing when they get oh on my the scales God. Oh, I've lost three yeah. kilograms or they're surprised that when they've had a long weekend mm. of gained four kilograms it's just like well yeah that's yeah. what happen when you go and mm-hmm. go straight to KFC yeah. and they laugh they just like they know so yeah you never get I never say to them like don't go home and don't have KFC but like do it within reason yeah mm. um, amazing yeah that was yeah, <laughs> I had cool. no more questions <laughs> cool so where can people get in touch with you if they want to follow what you're doing um twitter's more kind of sports science based stuff um alex at alex dealy like instagram's more just yeah just, alex, just personal photos yeah. Yeah. yeah it's more of a personal instagram um yeah just on twitter um i'm not massive on social media i don't hold myself in high regard to be telling people what to do on social well, media. Well, do you know what's interesting about that is that you may not, but I'm sure there's a lot of PTs that are coming into the industry that would aspire to have a job like like what you're doing currently. Yeah. Um, and even though you're like, well, I'm there, I've done that, I'm moving on to whatever else is next, I'm sure there's a lot of people that really would love to, to either train um, for military service or train professional athletes. So well, you'll be surprised. I love a coffee, so if you want a coffee. Perfect. Yeah, thank you so much. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.